What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another beautiful episode of the Hustle and Grind podcast. My name is Jason Hartwell, and I am back again this week in this beautiful Peach Podcast Syndicate that is sponsoring the podcast for the month of August, but we're going to continue to talk about them well after that anyway. And I am back again with Nick Tobin from Pickle Cutters. I got a, a yes. routine going on now. I'm having fill-ins. Seems like two weeks at a time, but I think you might going to be sticking around with me, huh? Hey, I won't. I wouldn't mind at all, man. <laughs> well, I, got, you know, I got no one to tend to, so I'm good to go. Yeah, you got it made, dude. So you hit, you about yeah. to head out of town? Yeah, I'm heading out of town for the weekend, actually. I'm going to meet up with a friend. Cool. You got some big, and, uh, big party plans or just hanging out? Tomorrow. No, just hanging out with a friend. I gotcha. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got back you know from the mean? beach, dude. Holy crap. Nice, I saw a few pictures, yeah, and I saw that fork you posted in your story, too. What the fuck's up with that fork? <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. And normally I would think maybe that was for crab legs because it was so big and weird looking. The place didn't even sell crab legs. I mean, they had all kind of seafood, maybe, but nothing you'd need to crack. Maybe some kind of fancy fork or something supposed to be fancy. I don't know. Well, it was weird looking. For what we paid to eat dinner down there, I'm sure they felt fancy. That's a fact. <laughs> But man, it's been so but long. That, uh, it definitely seemed like you guys had some nice weather, though, from what I saw in your pictures and all that. Dude, it was cool. So the weather was beautiful, except for one day, for maybe I don't know an hour tops, it felt like we were in a hurricane. Some kind of little tropical system like spurred up randomly, and I mean the waves started coming in sideways. The wind was just blowing chairs and stuff all over the beach. That was kind of cool to see. And then it just went right back to sunny and, you know, beautiful weather. Hmm. It's been so long since I've been at the beach and actually, you know, just had a good time for a few days and enjoyed it. And this time reminded me that I am not as young as I used to be. Because, I mean, I was running and jumping and splashing and, you know, I went and got some goofy little goggles and was diving down trying to find seashells. And, And the last day that we were there, I woke up and I could barely move. I had muscles in my body uh, I didn't know I had that hurt. You woke them up? I did, man, and they were pissed. <laughs> I'm still sore. <laughs> so, uh, as long as you had a good time, that's what counts, right? Yeah, it was fun, dude. So much fun. I did yeah. take quite a I wipeout. It was good to get away. And- yeah. It, and it, the trip was so unexpected. I mean, we were not planning to go. So when we found out we were going, it was like, Holy shit, cool. Let's go. That's it. Those are the best ones, though, dude. Seriously, like, last weekend, I pitched town on Saturday, you know, last-minute thing with somebody, a friend. You know that, so uh, it was just random, and it's random again this weekend. Like I said, I was supposed to leave tomorrow, and I'm leaving as soon as we're done with this recording. So, uh, you know, things change. Well, I'll try not to keep you too long. I know those kind of, yeah, no those worries, kind of weekends are super fun. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> good times, new people, meeting new people, too. You know, that's it's always a good time. Yeah. yeah. But with everything going on in the world and us being stuck here and me not being able to go anywhere, you know, like I can't really. I was supposed to go into a, a hammer in, in uh, Nova Scotia on September 11th. And uh, Nova Scotia just uh, put in some uh, travel restrictions. So if you're not vaccinated, you have to isolate for two weeks upon arrival into Nova Scotia. Mm. And I'm one of those guys that isn't vaccinated, so yeah. unfortunately I won't be able to make it down there for September 11th, which fucking sucks. Yeah. 
I am not vaccinated like either, said, and I have no plans to do so. Yeah, neither do I. And I'd rather not even talk about it because people like to get pissy about it. Oh, yeah. I don't need that shit. I, yeah. I agree. Someone felt differently than me a week or two ago, and I had to leave the conversation. You know, I was like, dude, we're friends. I don't like to leave it. You know, like, I'm going to just walk away right now because we're friends. There's no reason for this. Uh, and it's funny, too, because the ones that are on your ass, like, should get vaccinated and they try to, you know, give you all these proofs and all that shit. But at one point, one person asked me if I was vaccinated, and I was like, yeah, I even got my fourth dose. And she looked at me and she's like, oh, they have a fourth dose now? Yeah, so see, they don't even know. Yeah, I know. It was like so ignorant for the fucking fact that there's bullshit going on all over that. that I, I just straight up said, yeah, I'm vaccinated. I got four doses, and she believed it. Yeah, this is the sheep following the herd. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> I had a good day today, man. I actually got back down into my shop, and it's been a while since I've had the time to just spend a whole day on nothing but the knife shop. So I got nice. down there today. Yeah. I got three blades heat-treated, and... They're at home in the temper oven right now. and uh, I saw that earlier on Facebook. There go by. We had three bleach fresh out of the oil. Yep, yep. They went from the oil to the kitchen sink. They got washed with some Dawn and right into the oven. What do you uh, What do you use for quenching? Uh, Parks 50. Parks 50, right on. I've been using canola up until, uh, I don't know, maybe six months ago. And honestly, I mean, I know... Parks 50 is better. I don't really notice. I don't have a tester of any kind, like a, a hardness tester, but I don't notice a ton yeah. of difference. I mean, I don't know. I know it's all chemically, but I don't know. I just know Parks 50 is what you're supposed to use, so that's what I bought. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's a it's personal choice, I guess, too, you know, but, like, if you're going to use canola oil, I find just, you know, change it frequently and you shouldn't have any problems right but if you're using the same canola oil, canola oil for three months or so or whatever you know it's going to start growing it's not going to be as effective as a budget <clears throat> right and uh uses its viscosity and all that good stuff so there's you know you got to watch out for that and i noticed it at one point you know i etched a blade and i was like huh, i didn't put no clay on this blade and i had an auto hole so then i started messing around with scrap pieces and i realized that i wasn't getting the proper and I was like, oh, shit. So that's when I went and just bought Park 50. Uh, I bought some AAA as well, too. And then I went and bought some fresh canola and all that stuff. Yeah, I did notice with because I used canola for years up until, you know, like I said, about six months ago. And I would notice if I used mine too long, it would almost get, like, watered down. You know, it wouldn't have, yeah, it, it, even without being heated, it wouldn't have that mm -hmm. consistency the oil's supposed to have. Nope. That's the thing, you know, it wears out, if you want to put it that way. Right. Yeah, it just breaks down, I guess, from all the heat time and time again. Uh, I do, yeah. do want to share a, a shop hack um, that I learned today. This is something to make sure you don't do. So heat treating three blades, you know, you're in and out of the forge. I need a, a even heat eventually or some type of kiln. Don't have one yet. But you're in and out of the forge yeah, a lot, right? So... I had my tongs in my hand, just walking around, you know, waiting for the next round. I kind of had them staggered out doing my normalizing cycles. And so I was just kind of flipping around the yard and messing around with some other stuff. And it's mosquito season down here in Georgia. And I had one biting on my leg. So it just seemed like the, the easiest thing to do instead of leaning over was use these tongs that I had in my hand to swat that mosquito off my leg. They were fucking hot. Like I could only imagine real hot. <laughs> 
it, <laughs> luckily they it didn't blister me or nothing. It wasn't that hot, but it was enough to burn the hair off my leg in a perfect little stripe. So, and make you realize they were still hot. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I remembered real quick, and I went right back, right inside the door of the shop, and set them down. And then I <laughs> I picked them up next time I needed them again. And uh, we've all done that stupid fucking you know dumbass move in the shop. Uh, I've grabbed hot steel with my hands before, you know. I was like, "Oh, great! Yeah. Am I supposed to do that?" No, you know, I grabbed hot tongs with my hand by the by the tongue, and you know, not by the handles. Right. So it's like, yeah, that was pretty stupid. Yeah, I've done. I've got a uh, of... Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, and leaving shit sticking out too, like having a smaller shop. You know, you're always hitting yourself on your shit everywhere. Like my flatten, or not my flatten, but my tool rest, or if I got something in the vise, or if I take out the anvil, you know, I'm always hitting shit everywhere. Like I got big bruises on my legs from the horn on my anvil. Oh, you know, so I guess it's just part of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah, actually working with, I got some uh, Damascus billets that I've been working with. And it started out, I don't know, maybe maybe 18, 20 inches long, something like that. It was just enough to where I didn't have to put a handle or nothing on it. Just with a glove, I could grab the end of the billet and work the other end. Yeah. And so I got the end of it drawn out, and I'm working on kind of a little kukri shape. And um, the the longer it got, I guess since the th- the steel got thinner, it transferred a lot faster. So I was just using the glove, and I took my glove off for something, probably to – pick my nose or whatever. And I went back <laughs> towards it and just grabbed the end of that billet that was hanging out of the forge that I'd been grabbing, you know, to hammer. And it was real hot. <laughs> so, but again, luckily yeah. not enough to, to blister me or do no damage, but I, it learned yeah. me a lesson again. But I've been trying to work on forging some more just when I've got the time while the forge is on anyway. You know, if I'm doing heat treating, just throw some steel in there and work it. I'm work it exactly. Yeah, I'm learning a little bit. I mean, everything I'm doing self taught, obviously, but it seems like every time yeah. I get out there and get going and get at it, I I kind of figure some tiny little thing out that helps me the next time. That's how you learn because that's how I did it. That's you know, from the first first nice shaped object that I hand forged with a railroad spike. You know, that was just for practice. I did a couple of those. And then, you know, things were coming out how I was visualizing them, you know. So I was like, all right, so I have that connection down. You know, what I see in my head, I could turn out on the steel. And uh, then I took some, uh, some, uh, some, 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 some coil springs off a snowmobile. I took some of that and I made a couple smaller knives, you know, just see if I could shape handles more and do some smaller work hammered the bevels and all that and I was like all right, well, I could do this you know right. so it's every little thing that I've learned on the way that, that's how I learned it is by starting with small hammering around here and there dick around next thing I noticed I wanted to make a skull you know my first skull I made was shitty as hell when I forged that out you know and uh, I showed it to this guy from from the UK who forges and uh, Carter and uh, he he uh, he almost laughed at it. You know, he's like, dude, he's like, we'll hook up on FaceTime and I'll show you how to forge a skull. And, uh, I spent a couple hours with him online. I'll bang out a skull any day now, you know, and it'll be pretty nice. I don't know if you saw my skulls. I did, dude. They I had bad forged. to the bone. Yeah. I got one of my new, uh, tool rests that I, uh, 
that I built on my new grinder. I put one of the stalls there as a knob. Yeah, that thing's awesome. Yeah. The problem I'm having right now uh, is, you know, I ain't gonna lie. I've I've forged out some knives before, and every time I've cheated, I've kind of cut the tip in. You know, not perfect, yeah. but at a forty-five, and it, it's gone okay. You know, I finally got it down to where I can pull pull the belly down without making the tip of it go straight up in the air. You know, the banana trick. I got yeah, yeah. that part down, but now the problem I'm having is trying to hammer a tip into this Damascus. It's wanting to get the little fish lip thing going on. And that's just driving me it nuts. It wants to open up? Well, no, it's not opening yeah. up. So it's like the bottom and the top of the billet is wanting to come together and kind of, mm. you know, I've heard it called fish lips before. Oh, yeah, the fish lips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, what you do is you eat it nice and hot and then just hit those lips back. You know, once you get your tip, start forming your tip and uh, you get the fish lips. Mm-hmm. Throw it back in the forge, get it nice and hot again, and then just tap tap that seal and send it back towards the spine and towards the blade. You know, push it back. That way you, you could get your point going without having those fish lips. Because you can push the steel in any way you want to push it. You know, you're the one that chooses where it goes. Right. Well, the only reason I didn't cut this in is, like I said, it is Damascus. And this is my first time forging out, you know, a, a legit billet that I didn't make. I've made some before, like Sanmai. I've done some five-layer, and I did one seven-layer. But, I mean, the the billet that I've got now, it's like, you know, legit good good steel. So I've yeah. always heard if you cut the tip in, it'll screw the pattern up once it's forged out. That's possible. Yeah, that would make sense, actually, you know, depending on what you're – yeah, if it's lower layers and whatnot, I'm assuming you could distort the pattern. It is low layer. I would see that happening. I want to say yeah. it's like 30 layers or something like that. I can't really remember. Because it's kind of like, because I've, I've got some semi billets here that uh, a buddy of mine from, uh, I think, St. John, New Brunswick. He's here on the East Coast, New Brunswick. And uh, he sent me out a few billets. And, uh, you know, forging semi is tricky, you know. And you got to keep everything centered if you want that nice pattern once you, you know, hammer in your bevels and grind what needs to be grinded. Right, and uh, so far I've been doing pretty good with that. But like you said, the tip—I would see the tip being distorted. I think if you start cutting shit out and moving steel around. Yeah, well, I'm taking my time with you it. Know, you, I definitely don't want to yeah. screw it up. Yeah. Just make sure, uh, like working uh, what I do, working with steel, like uh, either pattern welded steels or semis or whatever is like even hammering on both sides. You know, if you fucking five strikes on one side, turn that knife up later on. You know, five strikes on that side, it'll just keep everything centered as possible if you got like the core right yeah yeah Yeah, i've got you know that's all shit that that's common sense to me too and i you know i didn't necessarily learn that from anybody nobody showed me how to forge semi or anything else so i got one it's learned on the fucking pile as you go yeah i got a billet that i forged and actually made a knife out of it and the pattern looked perfect on both sides it matched dead on but on the spine, it's all kind of screwed up. I mean, it's just it wiggly. You know, it looks like a snake running down the back. Yeah. I mean, it kind of looks cool, but it's not that perfect straight where you can see all three layers. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I've yet to do, though, is uh, afford like, my own build. Like, I obviously wanted to do some crazy layers, but uh, low, lower layer stuff I hadn't even tried yet. Like, yeah. Just busy with orders and 
no time to do that kind of stuff. So if I could get through these orders, then I'm obviously going to be playing around with well, stuff like that. For some reason, that's kind of – I did it the very first time, and it stuck. And I did it again, and it stuck. For some reason, it's just come kind of – I don't want to say easy because it's not easy. It's work. But it's always worked out pretty well for me. And uh, mm-hmm. and as far as my forging goes, I have figured out how to start with a very small square and get those wells to set and then draw it out. Now, the shaping part, that's what's still kind of on my list of shit to learn. But drawing yeah. it out, I've kind of got that down. So, I don't know. It's just pretty fun doing that much of it and then stock removal from – you know, a good clean billet. That's just like any other knife. It's simple. Yeah, no. It's uh, once you get the hang of it, and you see the the progression that you that that comes with it. You know, and the like as you go from one to another. You know, it gets fun to see. You know, it's a it's a fun process to to do. Yeah. You know, like like from from the the, the start. You know, like you if you're making your own billet. You know, you got to put those you got to stack it weld it forge weld it you know, draw it out and everything else and it's a process you know a lot of people don't even see that shit they don't even think about it well my hammer helps i bought a 12 pound <laughs> sledgehammer head at a yard sale oh shit <laughs> and I, I put a 10 inch handle on it so that helps a ton i think because it don't take too many swings to lock that joker in you know I, I, yeah you I, get, I, the, get the work done yeah well i kind of tap it with my regular you know just rounding hammer just Tap it in there. I'm tapping on this desk like I'm doing it. Just kind of <laughs> tap it real light to get it set, you know, with flux and all that. And then I break out that big boy just to smash it and lock that son of a bitch in there. And I get messages yeah. all the time. That, well, I don't really post videos of it no more, but I used to post videos of me setting those welds and, you know, the sparks flying all over the place. I would always get so many messages. Don't put flux inside your forge, you know. It's bad thing. Yeah, Forge, that's for sure. Well, I mean, the floor of my forge is a fire brick. When it gets nasty, I snatch it out and throw another one in there. You know, exactly. Yeah. Not really a huge deal. To you me. could always use a sacrificial piece of steel, or like you know, a piece of ceramic flooring or whatever, and lay that there if you want to not have to change your brick. Right. Well, yeah, but, that's uh, true. That's true. But, I mean, I've, I've seen even, that done. I've even pulled fire brick out of the floor of the forge before that actually yeah. wasn't cracked. And if you take just like a not even a chisel, a flathead screwdriver will do it, and get it up under the corner of where that flux is, you know, because it kind of like makes glass almost, just that bumpy yeah. shit. It'll flake right off of a fire brick. You could turn it over and use the other side. Yeah, I I got hard fire brick at the bottom of my forge, and that uh, from just running it so hot sometimes when forging, the the brick itself like kind of comes like it turns into lava almost. And, like, I'll get, you know, residues from that on my steel when I pull it out. You know, if I drag it on the forge floor. Right. And, uh, you know, it messes it up. And then when it cools down, like you said, it comes all glassy. So it looks like glass. Yeah. It's uh, quite the prize. Quite the, I'm looking at it right now. And, it's like I said, it looks almost like ice. Yeah. Yep. I know exactly what you mean. Hey, right, so let me ask you a question. When you're forging, yes. or you heat treat out of a out of a forge too, right? Yeah. D- do you lay your blades flat, like on the you know on the side of the blade to heat them, or do you have like a stand that that stands on vertical? I use a uh, 
use an angle iron. I cut it to the width of my forge, and I cut some slots in there, and uh, I made them in there. Okay, that's exactly identical to what I do. But yeah. I had an issue today on this damn. So it's one of the knives I did today was a 10-inch long uh, brisket slicer. And, okay. I mean, it was, it's a beast, but it's it's awesome. You know what I mean? So I got it in the forge, went through the first round of normalizing, and it had just a tiny little wiggle off to one side. So I laid it on the anvil, and I tapped on it and kind of wiggled it, and I got it perfect back straight again. And then when I pulled it back out, it had a little wiggle the other way, which really wasn't near as much as I was thinking it was going to have. And, uh, you know, because it's so long and thin, it's only 16th-inch stock. But I put it in the third time, and I kind of took a step back and watched it. And it was leaning a little bit to one side in that slot in the angle iron because the slot's maybe a quarter-inch wide. And, the, yeah. like I said, the, the material is a lot less than that just the heat of it sitting up in there was pulling it, you know, to the other side. So, Oh yeah. That, Without a doubt. Yeah. So my last round, I just got my extra long tongs and a glove and I just held it, you know, until it came up to quenching temperature because I could watch yeah. it. It wasn't moving. It was still straight. And when it came out, it had just the tiniest little kick off to one side on the tip, maybe two or three inches back from the tip. Since I had them gloves on, you know, I, I put it down and I wiggled it and got it back perfectly straight. But, you know, good as I do, once it's first round of tempers over with, then we're going to see how straight they really are. Yeah. But. That's when you're going to see. Because, like, when I, when I notice, like, after, like, a normal uh, well, thermal cycling and all that stuff, like, if I catch a warp during that process, I actually just go with it. I don't even bother with that shit no more because you're going to end up having to fight that, that warp probably after you quenched it. Because if it's warping, it's going to warp. That's how I see it. So now I don't even bother trying to keep my blade straight when I'm heat treating. You know, I try to keep it straight as much as possible, yes. You know, but if it, I notice a slight little warp in it, I just leave it because once I quench in the oil, I clamp it. You know, and hope to God that everything stays straight once I pull it out from the clamps. Right. And if it doesn't, well, then I temper once and then I'll shim it and straighten it out that way, overcorrect the, the warp and <clears throat> put it back into the oven. Then, you know, work it till I get it. Because so, while it's in the oven straightening out, I could be doing something else rather than trying to straighten it out on the anvil every time I take it out of the forge. Well, so it's, more, it's more of a time management thing for me, if you want to say. Yeah, that makes sense. I have yeah. I've not had good luck on that. You're talking about shim tempering, you know, overcorrect it and all yeah. that. I've got that to work pretty well one time. And other than that, man, I've had to, unfortunately, I've had to scrap some blades because they're just too far. Well, sometimes away. you got to crank it. You got to crank it pretty good. Like when you're overcorrecting it, like you can't just give it an eighth over, well, a fraction or like it's like see here if you want to say, but um, you can't, you got to crank it. That's what I noticed. I temper once, and then once I shim it on my angle iron, I crank. Like I overcorrect it. Exactly. Like I almost exaggerate. Seriously. And I just hope it won't snap while I'm fucking trying to straighten it. And then I just throw it in, and it comes out straight. I rarely have to go in a second time to try to straighten it. Last time I had an issue with the warp blade, I got uh, my buddy Tommy at Crooked River Forge. Me and him went back and forth for days on end because I was like, dude the shim shit doesn't work for me. So he sent me a picture of a jig that he had built, you know, a three post jig to put in the bench vice. 
and then put yeah, the, yeah. the torch on the back. So I ha- I got that set up done, and that worked really good for me. Yeah, I seen that one, and I saw one. Uh, I saw one. A guy took like a, a piece of square tubing and he cut a slot in the top, and he drilled and tapped some holes in the sides, and then he would just sit his blade in there, and uh, he had screws to you know just to push the to get the warp out two on one side and one on the other side. And he would heat underneath the tubing, not directly on the spine itself. So the heat technically transfers, and that way he's got his edge sticking out of the tubing as well, too, is where you could keep it cool with, with a wet rag so you don't overheat your edge while trying to temper down the, the spine to straighten shit, that, straighten shit out. Dude, I can picture that in my head plain as day. That is fucking brilliant. Yeah, no, when I saw it, I was like, fuck, I got to make that. I just haven't made it yet. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm going to have to do that. Like, it just makes yeah, so that, much you sense. You know, it's, it's, yes, it does. It totally does make sense, and that's why I'm talking about it right now, is because I still have that in the back of my head, and it needs to be done, because it was, you know, good logical thinking, and I'm a logical thinker, so. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. That's uh, that's my kind of thinking. Yeah, I mean, the simplicity is, is the best way to yep. go, and that sounds like it don't get yep. no more simpler. Keep it simple, man. Yep. They, they say happy wife, happy life. I don't believe that shit. Simple life, happy life. There you go. <laughs> well, how That's you, why I ain't married. We're, <laughs> we're 25 minutes into this thing already. We have not brought up any sponsors, and now we've got three. So who we want to go with first today? Let's go with your main guys. Would, you want to start with Phoenix? They're the original. They're the OGs. Exactly. All right. So we'll go with Phoenix Abrasives. They are your one-stop shop for all of your abrasive needs, and you can find them online at www.phoenixabrasives.com. And I did not read that. I still remember it. But, uh, you still remember it? Yeah, man. Is there, is there a promo code to that? There is. It's Hustle10. That will save you 10% sure. off of your entire order. And yeah, from sure. from what I've experienced over the years, I've been using Phoenix for almost five years now exclusively. And, um, I mean, this podcast is only six months old, so I was using them way before this was a thing. The 10% that we get off now, that almost equals out to free shipping. And no matter how many belts you get, the shipping is calculated by weight. And sometimes it can, that can get on up there, but that promo code will knock that right off of there for you. So I don't know. Yeah. My supplier, uh, my supplier, my go-to guy for pretty much everything, he's got good shipping rates. So that's, you know, it's not that bad when you're paying like 10 bucks for shipping and you get it in two days and you got steel and belts and everything else. And it's like 10 $14. It always, you know, it's never been 20 or $25. So right. I mean, he's got good rates, but some people, boys, like you said, you know, it's, I don't know if the shipping off, you appreciate it when you can knock that off. So. Oh yeah, for sure. So who are you getting your steel from? I get my steel from uh, Maritime Knife Supply from Lawrence Lake. Okay. He, uh, he pretty much started his, his, uh, his gig and when Colden started fucking everybody over. You know, at the same time I started making knives, all of a sudden I found Lawrence and Lawrence became my main two, my main uh, go-to guy. I'm going to have to get his That's information what I was looking from for you. Too. I have heard, Excuse through, me? I said I'm going to have to get that information, a link or something. I've yeah. heard through the grapevine that 
the New Jersey Steel Baron is shut down right now because of the COVID. You know, I think it actually got into their office and and affected them. So, but yeah, uh, I, I have seen something go by, but I think they're um, I think they're actually not completely shut down. I'm not sure. Last I had heard was that they were uh, production had slowed down, but they were like less people on the shifts or something like that, okay. and you know, not as much production coming out. But, you know, that could have changed. This was like two, three weeks ago, I think, right? Yeah, it's been a week or two since I've seen it. But, again, you know, if I saw it a week ago, it could have been posted three weeks ago. Yeah. But, I mean, I like New Jersey Steel Baron. I've used them for a long time, and they've got fair prices. Their shipping has never been very quick, even before there was a such thing as a pandemic or whatever. It wasn't that fast. You know, my order sometimes will be processing for a week before it was finally even received. So I need to I need to get a hold of some steel pretty quick here. I actually that slicer that I posted up today, that was my last piece of ten ninety five I've got in my shop. I've got a right little on. a little bit of eighty CRV two and I've got some fifty one sixty and a tiny little chunk of nitro V. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Maritime Knife Supply right now. Um, you got 1075 in stock and uh, quite a few sizes. And he's got the one eighth by one and a half. He's got one eighth by two inch. He's got three sixteenths by an inch and a half by two inch as well. He's got quarter inch by one and a half. That's in the you know, same deal with the 1084. Uh, he doesn't have three eighths by, I mean, three sixteenths by one and a half in the 84. You know, the, the quarter inch is out of stock, too. 1095 10, fully stock. 15 and 20 is, doesn't have any quarter inch stock, but everything else is there. You know, 80 CRV2 sold out except for the quarter inch stock and 316 stock. So, so you got quite a bit on hand still. Is that just bar stock? Is and, that all they sell? That Normally, I buy it by the sheet. Yeah, he's only got bar stock, but he's got, he just brought in some, uh, I saw it too. Give me a second. And I picked up, yeah, some 1084 and it's, um, wait, 156 is, uh, it's one, wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. Nope. Hold on a second. I got my, uh, <laughs> my chart in front of me and I'm, I don't got my glasses. Oh, that's a uh, man words right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck off, dude. <laughs> dude, I was just sitting here looking at this board thinking, fuck, I should have brought my glasses up here. It's um, it's actually five thirty two thick by three inches wide and ten eighty four. Okay, and and then he's got some one eight thick and three inch wide as well. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Normally, what I get is two yeah. foot by four foot sheets. Yeah, and he does ship to the states too. So, and like I said, he's on the east coast and he ships with that uh, Canpar, I believe. Okay, and. Uh, so it wouldn't be that bad from this place to Georgia. You'd probably end up getting that shit like less than a week. Cool. So, Oh, so he's Canadian? Yeah, he's in Nova Scotia. Right. Hey, do you happen to know about any other badass Canadian uh, knife suppliers that we might all could get some use out of? Uh, Canadian suppliers? As of her, hey, listen, that, you know, I got, there was, when I used to get like, when I first started, I was getting a lot of stuff off, off the Nexus grinder. They, uh, when I got some, you know, tooling equipment, whatnot, my wheels and shit. And, uh, I, because there's not much here in Canada, actually. Lawrence is the, the main go-to guy, like, 
you got everything you need. But I think somebody else came out recently. But to be honest, I haven't. I haven't really paid attention because I dealt with a few suppliers that they were out with before this. I think it's two suppliers that got in together and they came. To be honest, I don't know the story, so I'm gonna say what it is because I have no clue. But anyways, it's just like twenty five dollars shipping, and it takes two weeks for me to get my ship from the West Coast. So I just, you know, like I said, when Lawrence showed up in the game, I was like, "Fuck, finally!" You know, I order my shit, and sometimes I get it in less than forty eight hours. Okay, so that that uh, question about the Canadian suppliers that was supposed to be a, a smooth transition into the set corp epoxy. Um, but hey, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. We didn't realize that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he, he carries that. Right there, you go. So I actually yeah. I got my goodie box from them. Oh, you did. I did. Sweet. And let me. I'm, I, this is something I just slap ass don't understand. So um, when I send something to Canada, I've done it several times yeah. before. It cost me an arm and a leg to ship over there. I sent one of those yep. little mini cleaver neck knives and it cost me about $45 to ship it. And when I order handle scales from John Bryant, he's one of the guys that I really like to use the Muskoga Turner. He is in, uh, Canada. I can't remember exactly yep. which part I want to say Woodstock. Does that sound, is there a Woodstock Ontario? I think there is actually and when you said Woodstock I was like hey wait I'll be driving by through Woodstock later but that's not the same Woodstock <laughs> I know it was in was near Lonely, but no I think there is though you say that it sounds familiar I think that's where he's at but when I order scales from him um, handle material it's free shipping it don't cost well I'm sure it cost him something but it's minimal enough to where he just rolls it into the price of his scales and his scales are very yeah. very affordable um, nice I mean, he, he's got some legit, really good stuff. And I mean, his price is average on like three eighths, real good, thick stuff that you can a lot of times get yeah. two, two blades out of. Cause it'll be like five and a half by two and a half. They're huge. It's like 38 bucks with free shipping. But huh. I, I told well, like you, you said, guys, the price into the scale. So. Right. Exactly. So, um, I talked to the guys at Setcorp epoxy. What is today? Okay, so last time we recorded, we announced that that was Thursday. So we actually finalized our little deal on Thursday. Today's Friday, so it's eight days. They shipped to me that day. I got it yesterday. So that son of a bitch crossed international lines through customs or whatever it's got to do and got to me in one week exactly. Yeah, and they're on the West Coast, I think, right? They are. He said he's right on the other yeah. side of, like, Seattle and all that stuff, Washington area. Yeah. Yeah, Vancouver, I believe, or something like that. Yep, that's exactly right. So, I mean, that is yeah. some awesome shipping. I mean, that's that's yeah. crazy. Fast. No, it's a, I, I get my mind blown sometimes with how Amazon could be, you know, like, yeah, Amazon Prime, I'm out here in the middle of the sticks, you know, there's... It takes forever to get shit here. We can't find what we need, so you have to order most times when you need something. Right. And uh, sometimes I'll order on Amazon on a Friday night, and I'll wake up Sunday morning, and she's on my fucking porch. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Dude, Amazon's nuts. So yeah. we it's like, how the fuck you guys get that shit here in, like, less than two days? And I ordered Friday night, Sunday morning. It's on my deck. I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. that Amazon is... Okay, so they just got – I live out in the sticks, too, middle of nowhere. 
but we got two big cities fairly close, you know, within yeah. 20 to 40 minutes. And they just built a new Amazon fulfillment center up in Macon. It's about maybe 20 miles north of me. And this place, I swear, dude, you could put like an airport inside this building. It is one of the biggest physical buildings I've ever seen. And just because I'm a nerd and I do weird shit, the interstate runs along the side of this building. When I was driving past it, when they were first building it up and they had like, you know, just the frame of it up and all this stuff doing 85 miles an hour on the interstate. It took me 11 seconds to pass this building. <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah. <laughs> so next that's yeah. So that is freaking huge, man. But, um, and I don't know what the hell they keep in it. Cause every time we order something off Amazon, it still takes, you know, at least three or four days. It seems like they could just okay. put that in a slingshot and send it down the road. Yeah. But dude, they're talking about well, doing, we don't uh, have nothing like that here. They're talking about starting drone deliveries with Amazon. Yeah. I, I, is that real? <laughs> like, I don't believe what I see on the internet. And I saw that and I was like, sure. It, like, you it know, was I'm going to order it. It was on the local news here. Like, you know, the local five o'clock news, they were talking about it. I don't know how real it actually is, but uh, around drone here. Delivery. Cause I, there is drone delivery for food. I've seen that. Well, I don't know if it's people. Then again, like I said, I saw it on the internet and I don't know if it's somebody that was just fucking around and made a video. You I'm, know, I'm going to tell you the, the part of the South that we live in, if they start sending packages across farmers fields and stuff on a drone yeah. that's just skeet sugar yeah. prizes yeah i mean them things aren't going to float very long during dove season especially no they're going to get shot down yeah yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, there's I, a few drones that have been shot down here like people fucking around with drones in people's yards and like people just walking out and boom <laughs> yeah i yeah. was i was at somebody's house not long ago um not nobody i knew i was just talking you know talking to him about doing a side job type deal and this drone just kept flying around circles, and all of a sudden it came down probably within 15 feet over top of our heads. They had no idea who it belonged to, who was doing it, where it came from, but you could see a little camera on the front end of that thing. Yeah, I would have fucking smacked it. Dude, if I could have reached it, I would have for sure. But The city cops here, uh, it's like the closest city to me is like a half hour away. And their cops, the city cops, they just acquired a drone. So I could imagine they're going to be having fun with that. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Dude, you imagine a drone, like, fly inside, like, if a drug dealer's got his window cracked or something, the little drone yeah, yeah. just <laughs> fly in there and take pictures of the dope without nobody even noticing? That'd be awesome. Yeah. It would actually do good for, uh, because around here, like, you got a serious problem with fucking and fucking people are cracking out left and right. Yeah, it seems like down here, I remember back in the, you know, maybe the late 90s, early 2000s, it was kind of a big deal that I knew about. You know, I had some friends that got shot out, and, you know, we've all been through that. We know somebody that took the wrong path, and it sucks, but, you know, when I was at that age, I was trying to to do something, so when people kind of took that path, I steered the other way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it seemed like it just went away, you know, once I got a little older, yeah. but now I'm seeing it a lot more and it's making a comeback, I guess, which is weird. Yep. I notice it more today too, you know, being, you know, being young and dumb at one point and now being straight and whatever path I walked in the past doesn't matter anymore. 
Right. But, uh, like, I notice it between kids and around here. And see when, when I say kids, I'm talking 30-year-olds, you know, because I'm older than them. I still call them kids. Right. And the reason why <laughs> I call them kids is because they're fucking fried and they haven't learned better in life and they're not going to do anything with themselves. And it's sad to see, you know, it's fuck. Some of these kids were good kids. Yeah. I knew several people yeah. that were just, you know, good good students, good people in school. And all of a sudden they went to one party one time and sniffed something or poked something and that's it. Yeah. Their their life has been that's done it. since then. It only takes one time. Yeah. I've actually got a cousin yeah. that uh, unfortunately got hit by the bug. And he was always like, he was the favorite. He's the youngest of all of us. And he was like, you know, the cute little innocent favorite. And all of a sudden he went from having a job, like traveling the country, programming computers to next thing we know, like he's having conversations with the wall and fighting dragons and cutting carpet out of the floor, thinking that there's something under it. And he's in jail now and probably going to be there for a very long time. But, uh, it's a sad reality. It is, man, and it can it can get a hold of anybody. Anyway, mm-hmm. what the fuck are we talking? About? Is this cops or is this the hustling ground? What are we doing here? We're talking about drones, drones, <laughs> drones, and drugs. Amazon drones. Yeah. Then we started talking about drugs. <laughs> you never know what the hell's going yeah. on here. All right, so yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm gonna on uh, Spotify and all this stuff. We wrote the description for this podcast before the first episode even published, or before it was even recorded. You know, it's kind of just the idea that I had in my mind that said, this is a podcast for people who want to take their part-time passion to a full-time grind. Part-time hustle, passion for turn. I can't even remember. People that want to take their... Something like that. But anyway, I feel like I'm going to get on there and change that and just put it to just a general shop talk. You know what I mean? Not tools gonna, and what you're working on. And, right. Just, I mean, we can't name it Shop Talk. There's already a podcast out there called that, I think. Well, the Hustle and Grind, you know, you, you can't change that. That stays the Hustle and Grind because, you know, that's. Oh, that'll be the Hustle and Grind forever. Of what we do. Yeah. yeah. Today, I know that's, that's what we're talking about. I was yeah. listening to you guys when Yeah, the, the title yeah. will stay the same forever, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I just love this is a podcast for anyone who makes anything by hand and has a passion to turn their part time hustle into a full time grind. See, don't that join sound me, so good? Jason Hartwell? Yeah, it does. Join me, Jason Hartwell, as I explore the journey of what it takes to get there. Yeah, and that was before, I mean, the first episode was just me by myself. I've, I never yeah. had plans of having like a co host or, you know, obviously I wanted to get some guests on when I could. I never would have imagined that I'd have, you know, the people on that have been on here. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome, but I don't think it follows the description as to what we listed it at to start with. I think it's evolved in a good way, but it's changed. You know what I mean? Yeah, it has changed and it's going to keep on changing too, probably, you know, because everything is in constant evolution and everything changes. So, right. Yep. You know, it's going to change. Yeah, so speaking of change, I took some of your advice, dude. And um, yes, what you do? I have been posting on these Facebook groups. Oh, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, but I'm starting to see more and more. Each time I do it, 
I'm getting just a little bit more views or likes or comments or whatever than the last. Yep. Yep. So I think I'm heading down a good path here. And the first time I did that, you know, what you told me was just take one of your posts and share it to a group. The first time I did that was the very first time I had ever posted anything in a lot of those groups. You know, a bunch of them I have commented on other people's stuff and, you know, had conversations yep. through comments, but I haven't posted my own stuff. So I think now that I'm doing it more, maybe people are starting to recognize, like, hey, that's that same guy that, that put this up last week. You know, let, Yeah, he's been around for a while. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's going in a good direction, I think, man. I'm pretty excited about it. I don't know. It definitely should be. You know, you know with everything else, too, I noticed, you know, I was on the show last week, and then uh, I'm getting all these notifications, you know, from one of your sponsors that, that you know, they mentioned me and their story, you know, the next thing I noticed, I'm getting more people from Instagram on following me. Yep. You know, I saw, I saw that happen this week, you know, you know, without paying too much attention to that stuff, but, you know, I got more followers because I was on your podcast last week. You shared it. Your sponsor shared it, you know, they shared it, and other guys shared it, and the thing I noticed, I got a bunch of new followers. Well, that, that's the cool thing about the sponsors. You know, we talked about it a little bit last week, too, that yeah. these sponsors, you know, my return is the them sharing it back out, the growth that yeah, they exactly. have to offer. Yeah. That's what I get in return. But uh, And it doesn't cost a fucking thing, you know? Exactly. It's free. And I talk about them, yeah. and... You know, I, I tell the truth. I I had a guy message me today on Instagram. So this guy that messaged me, well, I mean, seemed like a, a pretty nice guy, but he messaged me asking me if I would have someone else on the podcast because he's going to be working with this other guy that works with another guy. And I was like, no, man, I'm sorry. You know, I, I can't promote. So I don't even know what that is. I haven't heard of that you know, never used yeah. it. And that, that's just the way it is. So when we talk about these sponsors, yeah. we really do mean it when we say they're good. Oh, no, exactly. You know, you, I, you know, like I said, I've got hands-on experience with tech court. I know it's a good quality product. I've never had a problem with it. You know, uh, as your other sponsors, I can't say anything about them because I don't, you know, don't have access to Phoenix, Phoenix abrasive belts here in Canada. Uh, I could order them, have them ship to Maine, but like I said, I got my one go-to guy that has everything I need, so you know, it had to be pointless. And then for grinders, well, I built my own, so you know. But you know, those sponsors serve you right; they're they're there for you. You know, they're they're there to help you. They're you know, that's something I never even ever looked for. Yeah. You no, know, yeah, I got a bunch of banners in my shops, but they're not my sponsors. They hook me up, yeah, but you know, like. I don't, you know, I just shot them out like everybody else does, like you're doing, like I'm doing, everybody else. If you wouldn't have bought your or built your grinder and you had to get one, you know, that was just ready to go, what do you think you'd get? To be honest, like, if I were, I don't even know if you've ever heard of these grinders, and if I would have looked around, I would have looked around here in Canada because... You know, shipping from the states would have been ridiculous for a grinder. I had Barrel Belmac shipping one, and it was like fucking two hundred and change for shipping. Uh, U.S. funds too, so that you know that adds up pretty quick in Canadian money. But uh, something that is carried at Maritime Knife Supply is uh, Velocity grinders. They're made here in Canada, 
and uh, in Nova Scotia as well, in the Maritimes. And if you look them up, look them up, it's a, it's definitely a solid grinder. You know, it looks solid. That's something I probably would have invested into, like being Canadian made and whatnot, being here in Canada, and the accessibility of the grinder. But uh, in general. Uh, it'd be hard to say because there's a lot of crazy machines out there to look at it, you know. There's obviously the projects that are interesting. You know, there's a few other guys here in Canada as well, too. Who are, I'd have to put my hands on all of them and try them out and say which one's my favorite, you know, out of those ready-to-run plug-and-play grinders. <laughs> that was the transition <laughs> to the Broadback ad. Yeah, I brought them up. <laughs> yes, you asked, and I, I went with my honest opinion. I'm sorry. I'm a straight-up honest guy. I, yeah. well, I'll work on those transitions there, Jake. All right. <laughs> sorry, Ryan. Sorry, Vince. We're getting used to this. So Broadbeck no, is... Seriously, Broadbeck would be one of my interests if I were to say I'm used to the game, shopping for grinder, being in the States and whatnot. You know, it depends on geographic, you know, where, where you are geographically, I guess, on what you're going to get. Right. Well, I mean, Broadbeck offers international shipping. And now as far as the rates, I really don't know. Um, for some reason, I want to say there is a deal shipping to Canada. I don't know if it's free shipping, but I think there's some kind of something going on there to where it is better than just normal shipping would be. And I will definitely yeah. reach out to Ryan and clarify that and clarify that. have an answer next week. To be honest, too, is when when I came into this game, the knife making world, there wasn't thirty grinders being pushed out there. You know what I'm saying? A year and a half ago, there wasn't a bunch of people leaving their day jobs to make a living out of their dream, right. selling grinders and selling knives. You know, and if it wasn't for guys like me and you waking up with that dream one morning, those guys wouldn't be there either. You know, right? So I think uh, Brian House is kind of a pioneer on the kit grinder type deal. He kind of. Yeah. Once he got his thing going, man, and it exploded for good reason. You know, if I was in the yeah. position to where I had the the time and the know-how. Now, I built my grinder. It was a broadbent grinder, yeah. and I put it together. But it is a bolt-together kit. And okay. it took me, from the time I opened all the boxes, I cleared off two different benches in my shop, and I laid all my parts out to where I could see everything at once. I opened all the hardware packages, and I separated all the inch and a half bolts, all the inch and a quarter bolts. You know what I mean? I got separate piles. I was very organized. From the time I got going on it, it took me maybe an hour, and I was grinding. I mean, just. That's it. Yeah, it yeah. was awesome. And um, they do have free shipping in the United States. They have every kind of attachment that you could ever think of. And if you use the promo code HUSTLE10, you'll get 10% off of your total order. <laughs> Now, that is only on grinders and attachments. They, they do have a new line of belts, and obviously they got replacement parts. The The free shipping does, is not included on that stuff. So that just is what it I is. I was just talking to uh, – he works for Broadbeck. There's uh, uh, Ryan, Ben, Vince. Who was it? Let me... Probably Ben. Fire Ice guys? Forge? Yeah. That would be it. Yeah, Fire Ice Forge. He's a cool dude. I talk to him every now and then. Yeah, no, I was talking to him uh, when was it yesterday, actually. Yeah. And uh, that's what I was telling him. It's like, I'm here on the border in Canada, the main, but I have access to like, P.O. Box and 
you know, a address that should deliver that. It's just getting it back across here. That could be a hassle sometimes because technically I can't cross, but you know, I know people that cross because they're essential workers. They right. work in the States. Yeah. So, you know, I could always get them to stop by my aunt's house and pick up my shit. So the, when I was talking to him yesterday, I went and checked out the webpage and all the attachment, attachments and all that stuff. You know, that, that's me some nice stuff out there. Uh, I'm looking into a few more things, but I'm working on, you know, other things first, focused on my, uh, my business game before I up my grinder game. And there's somebody I'm going to keep in mind when it comes to upping my grinder game for sure. Because as I said, I can have shit shit to the States now. Oh, yeah. And have it cross over here. So. Now, I got a package from Broadbeck yesterday. I ordered another uh, wear plate for my platen so that I can make another soft softback platen attachment. Oh, right on, yeah. And yeah. that's just something that you got to have. You know, once you get into the higher grit finishes and – you know, especially for me anyway, if I'm doing like a tall grind, like a, a full flat grind on like a two-inch chef's knife or something, once you get anything over 220 grit, you got a little bit of chatter on the belt where the tape seems, yeah. right? And I have solved yeah. that in the past pretty easily by just, you know, I'll do three or four layers of painter's tape on the platen. Just stick it on yeah. there and it does Soften okay. it up a bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just enough. It does okay. But um, yeah, I want to do one of the the soft soft platen attachments that Brian House built with the leather and the Scotch Bright backing on it. You know, kind of sandwiched on there. Yeah. I'm gonna build one of those and see how that works out because it looks great. And uh, I've seen that, and people get two by seventy one Scotch Bright belts and uh, just run a two by seventy two belt over it. You just blew my mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there was a such thing as a two. Well, I guess it. Hell, Phoenix Abrasions will make you any damn belt you want. Exactly. I was going to say, you get any size you want. So you have a 2x71 Scotch Bright belt made. You use it, and once it gets worn out or whatever, you use that as a vacuum belt with a higher grip belt. Yeah, I mean, because these grinders that we use, we use 2x72 belts because it's kind of the industry standard. There is a ton of wiggle room in the adjustment of these machines. You know, to oh, yeah. run all different kind of sizes. So I've uh, seen a lot of guys uh, working with um, with uh, the, the 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 big wheels, contact wheels. Yeah, uh, one inch contact wheels. A one inch with, contact wheel. Their, yeah, a one inch wide contact wheel. You know, like a ten inch wheel, but one inch is wide. Okay, and uh, and they cut their belts in half, and they use those to grind their hollow grinds and stuff like that. Like on smaller blades, and like okay, it's not as much as a, I don't know. I saw that recently, and I was like, "Fuck, now I want a one inch wheel." <laughs> that, that's the thing too. I got so many attachments now, and it's like I, I'd like them all too. You know, I, I want more, but there's only a limit to what there is out there so far. You know, and there's a rotary platen I don't have. I want. Yeah, I would love to get a hold of a rotary platen. That just looks like it would be tits for sharpening a blade, like. Oh yeah, that's all kinds of other things too. Yeah, so many. So that brisket slicer that I used, that I made today, I used every attachment I had in my shop on that knife. No, I didn't. I did not. I did not use the uh, ten inch contact wheel, but I used the the flat platen, the slack belt attachment, the small wheel attachment. I used the 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 the, damn. I used the grinder horizontal and vertically, and. It was so easy with that broad bit grinder. 
So yeah. something that I've struggled with a little bit up until I got this Broadbeck was if I do a chef's knife or something or even anything kind of long and thin was maybe having like a, a bump in the edge. You know what I mean? If you're yeah. go, just something that ain't quite right. So if you take that Broadbeck and you flip it horizontally and that work rest goes with it, it flips horizontally. Yep. And you can see, you can look straight down and work the length of that blade. Instead of a two-inch wide part of it, you can work a 10-inch long well, section of blade yeah, all at yeah. once. Yep. And, man, that was a that was a game changer there, trying to get that thing all lined up. I've seen some guys that do that before. But uh, I've been seeing a lot of talk with the, the disc grinders a lot lately to flatten out bevels. And, you know, it totally makes sense, too. Know how it, because you do on a two by seventy two, you you know your bevel won't be as flat as you think it is. It looks flat, but it's not. You know, I, I feather my shit a lot working out, and how many times will I throw a layer of sharpie over it again to make sure I get all those higher spots down? You know, yep. And uh, if I were to do my rough bevel grinds on my two by seventy two, and then I jump to a disc sander, I, I'd probably save half the work if I did that. Probably so. So since you said that, that just clicked something in my head. So about a year ago, maybe even longer than that, I made this knife that was like a damn crocodile Dundee, just ridiculous, huge chopper thing. And I did that on my one by 30 and I hated, I hated the scales that I put on it. It was this black palm, you know, the scales look good on one side and they look good on the other side. But when it came to the book match, there were different colors. Something happened. It just wasn't right. You know, it just didn't work. So I beat the scales off of that. Actually, I I ground it off on one side and then just took a punch and knocked the pins out on the other side and slapped it around for a little while until the, everything come off of there. But the bevels I thought looked pretty damn good. And, I figured today, well, since I got this thing back down, no scales, let me just clean everything up, crispy up the, the bevels since I got this new badass grinder now. It's not a one by 30. Dude, I made one pass on a 120 grit belt. I figured I'd just start there and shine it all up. It looked good, but that one by 30 left such a freaking crooked bevel line. It was like, it was crazy. I got it cleaned back up again, but it was some work trying to straighten out the damage that was done with that. One by thirty grinder. Oh yeah, look at that. That's how you learn. I think what happened is I got the bevel line good and clean, and then called it a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as my bevel line was clean and the edge was clean, that part in the middle I really couldn't see. But now yeah. that I, I can contact the whole blade all at one time, game changer, dude. Just oh yeah, oh yeah, so much different. Yeah, I didn't fuck around with, you know, how would I say? You know, I, I, I never ground a blade on a 1x30, but I did use a 4x36. And once I put my hands on a 2x72, which wasn't long after that, you know, I was like, all right. You know, because I had burnt out one 4x36. Then I bought another one at the hardware store, at the Canadian Tire Store here, which is kind of like, I don't know. It's not even like Home Depot, though, because they actually have, like, an auto zone and a Home Depot together. Let's put it that way. Right. Anyways, uh, I went there, and I got uh, I got one of theirs, 
and it was just garbage, like their name brand, Mastercraft. And it, it there was nothing I could do with it that made sense, you know, like if I wanted clean plunge lines or anything like that. You can't, you know, you can't really do that on one of those. And if you want to make something nice, you obviously have to step up your game. I'm not saying you can't make anything nice, but if you're trying to make a living out of it, you can't really stick to the the, the little toys, you know. You need the big toys. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, well, mine was yeah, just like a, a hobby from day one. It was just I never yeah. imagined that I'd be making a living with it, so I never really invested a bunch of money. I had a bunch of little one by thirties, but once yeah. it came time, I was to, planning on investing all this money either. Man, trust me. <laughs> well, I mean, once it came time, and I realized, like, okay, you know, I lost that contract job where I was making, dude, I've money was not a problem. I mean, I was not rich by no means i wasn't balling but i damn sure didn't think twice if i wanted to click buy now on most things yeah but um you know once it came down to like okay well looks like knives is what's going to pay the bills now that's when i immediately realized this one by 30 is not going to do it anymore like it's go time same thing happened to me once orders started coming in i was like holy fuck what am i going to (laughs) do yeah yeah, so I you know, none of those fancy belts, and then wanting to make something better and different too. You know that 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 changes the game too because you're limited with what you could do with those smaller or unappropriate grinders for knife making. You know, there's uh-huh. no attachments, there's no this, there's no that. I used to do all my chore work and inner handle work by file. Yep. You know, because I tr- I grind it up on the four by thirty six on the edge, and then get all those grind lines out with hand sand. It makes no sense. So. I'd take the file to it and sit there for hours. And then I was like, all right, I need a Dremel. And then, you know, I bought a Dremel just for that. And I never used it again after getting a small wheel kit on a 2x72 after I got all that, you know? Yeah. So I know exactly. There's a lot of things that I just realized is, you know, buy once, cry once. Yeah. Now I don't even think about it. I just get what I need. Yeah. When I got my first uh, big boy grinder, is what I call it, my first 2x72. Which was who makes that grinder again? Well, the one I have now is a Broadback, and it is the top yeah. of the line. But uh, when I got my first one, I was kind of pissed. You know what I mean? I got it put together, and I was like, "This, you know, like, I see these things in people's shops everywhere. This don't look. It looks small. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't look like a beastly machine that I was picturing seeing. And I've only yeah. ever been in one other knife maker shop in my life. So I've only ever seen one other. Actually, he had two. But I know, could say the same thing. that one day mm-hmm. I walked into his shop and he was teaching a class. We said hello, all this kind of stuff. And I was gone within 10 minutes. So I, I never spent any time around it to actually get familiar with it. Yeah. So when I got this thing and it came actually put together already in this big crate, I was like, man, this kind of sucks. And um, there were some issues with it and it ended up having to go back. But I never was really, you know, they say the buy once, cry once. Like, you know, once you get this, it'll change your life. I never got that feeling. I was like, I just fucked up. Like, this isn't going to do nothing extra. But once I got that Broadbeck with all these different attachments, no tools required at all, that's when I knew, like, okay, (laughs) you're done good now. Yep. It's quite the feeling. I know it, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you know. Golly, you're like a little grinder factory inside a knife shop. 
Yeah, I'm a grinder boy. <laughs> grinder slut. Yeah, a little no, bit. I enjoy I enjoy fab work as much as I enjoy the night thing. That's the thing, you know. If I could get to expanding my shop, there's going to be more of that common too. You know, I'm going to make my own shit. Yeah, that's what I like making what you need. I've always been into that. You know, same thing with bushcrafting and all that stuff. And, you know, learning everything that's out there that's edible and all the mushrooms and the herbs and the plants. And, you know, it's just I like to learn all that shit. Anything that that's going to serve me good. At any time in life, you know, well, fuck it, you know, I, I, I need to learn it. Oh, yeah. So the fab work, like I said, now I got people coming up to me, oh, can you weld this up for me? Can you do this for me? Can you build me this? And I was like, fuck, you. I, I'm a nice, you know, I'm not a fabricator, but, you know, some things I would need adequate equipment to do that I don't have. So eventually that's all stuff that I'm working on for down the road. Yeah, I love welding. Up. I've been welding no, since I, do, I was I seven years old. My, I had never welded until I started making knives. Oh, really? Yeah. And well, I love no, it. You it never was, welded until you started making grinders. Well, no, actually, I needed <laughs> a bevel jig. I, I wanted to make a bevel jig. I had made one out of some fucking pine board, and that was shitty. And I was like, all right, this ain't going to work. you know. So I went out and bought a cheap-ass grinder. And not grinder, I mean a welder on 120, big welder. And uh, I barely made a jig out of that. And I was so proud. I knew nothing about welding. So what I was trying to do obviously wasn't going to work. And it, did, it didn't work. But uh, then after that, I literally, one of my friends had a bigger welder. He lent it to me. And that's when I built my first grinder. And that was like my first full-on welding experience in fab work. And then I, uh, when I got my new anvil, I made a bunch of hardy tools for that and stuff like that. And jigs and bending forks and you know, using my new welder, and I was like, fuck, man, this shit's fun. And then I built my new grinder, too, and I was like, oh, fuck. And then I built my tooling attachment rack, and like, I don't want to stop. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something so to do fun. with it here. I mean, yeah, I'm enjoying it, you know? It's like playing with Legos, almost. It is. Like, when, when the hood turns dark, you know, I got an auto-dark yeah. hood. I used to say when the hood flips yeah. down, but when the hood turns dark, and you see the puddle, and you now it's time to push it. That's yep. like something about that. Just you zone out. You're not allowed to think yep. about nothing else. I don't think you Dude, could I if you breathing. tried to. I don't even think about, I don't even breathe. Yeah. I literally stop breathing when I start pushing her full knees. It's like, holy fucking breathe, man. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, dude. So my papa yeah. was a uh, pipeline welder and he, oh, he was born in 1936. And he started welding when he was 13 years old. So that would have been four, 49, right? Yeah. And he said that the first welding job that he got, he was getting paid like a $1.30 a week. And it was over Damn. some giant river building a bridge. And so, I mean, he's been a welder. And he's still, to this day, you know, thank God, he's doing great. He's eighty four, just turned 84 years old, still welding. Holy shit. Still doing it. Real man's old. Yeah. How old are you again? You're younger than I am. Oh, no, that's my papa. That's my papa. So for yeah. that, oh, your grandfather. That okay. would be yeah, my yeah, grandfather. Yeah. We call him papa down okay. here. P-A-P-A-W. Okay, but, oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Papa. So, yeah. Dad's just dad. But um, yeah. he taught me to weld when I was about seven years old on a, you know, a standalone gas rig that was, you know, yeah. runs off gas. And I was stick welding 
you know, schedule 80 pipe by the time I was 10. Jesus, I mean, it was just fun. You know, it was a reason for him to get out there and hang out with me, and I liked it. And if a little piece of spatter hit my arm, I didn't cry. You know, I I wanted to be tough. You know, of course it hurt when I was a little bitty kid. Like, damn, that just sucked. But I wasn't a bitch about it. And he really liked that, I guess. And he taught me. Like, he he pushed that into my head. Yeah. And, um. No, no, it's like me working construction my whole life. If I would have cried every fucking time I nailed my finger with my hammer, you know, I would have been a little bitch. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not. You know, people give up after they hit their thumb once. They're like, fuck, you should see my fingers. They're crooked and my fingernails are split. And <laughs> you know, everything's fucked on these hands. It's from learning and experience and everything I know to do now, you know, shows in my hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're a roadmap. And that's what brought me where I am today. Like, like I'm sure, like if you would have never gotten into welding and metal fab and stuff like that, you probably wouldn't even, you know, steered towards knives at one point in your life. But you already had the interest of working with steel. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I mean, metal's just to me, metal's fun because I always feel like with with wood or whatever they say, you know, you can measure twice, cut once because you can take yeah. it off, but you can't put it back. Well, with metal, no. yes, the fuck you can. You know, all it takes is a welder. You put it back. Yeah. See, that's the thing, too. Having a woodworking background at my end, when it came to welding, like, a lot of, like, putting shit together made sense to me right off the bat, too. Like, having everything squared off and whatnot, you know, it's just other stuff I needed to learn. Yeah. You know, and everything just made sense to me. It's like, all right, you're going to want to tack weld because I'm sure if I overheat the plate or whatever with a long weld, you know, it's just going to start warping. And it was just all common sense to me. Nobody taught me how to weld. Right. The the biggest thing that that blew my mind when I first started learning to weld was getting a a joint too hot and you'd burn through. Like you could run a a pretty bead for a long time and then all of a sudden you'd blow a hole in it. I was like, Papa, why'd that happen? You know, (laughs) 10 year old kid. And he's like, well, that got hot. Started the other end, worked the other way, come back. But or when you're welding tube or whatever, and the next thing you notice, you just hear it go, oh, oh, oh. it's like, holy shit, I just went right through that wall. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can hear it. It'll echo out the other end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wherever it opens. Yeah. It's like, fuck. Yep. <laughs> and you start going back to <laughs> Yeah. Are you, you but get that's it. how I learned, you know. I look at my second grinder and I look at my first grinder. The flaws I see in my first grinder, I do not see in my second grinder. Well, that's how it's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and the third grinder is going to be the same, too. It's going to have less flaws than the second and the first. So. Yeah. So you've got yeah. three running now, right? We talked about that last week. Have you figured out what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, only two, technically. Well, two I'm running. on the market for a motor. Yeah, I got two running, but I got three functional grinders here. Well, that's what I was getting at. Have you figured out which route you're going as far as motors and VFDs and all that kind of stuff, or are you still just kind of thinking about it? I haven't done that yet. I'm mad. Uh, it's still in process with my business plan and all that. And I actually dropped off the last bit of paperwork I needed to drop off this morning. So hopefully within the next few weeks, all of that's going to be final. And then I can start looking into certain things, you know, that I need and whatnot and grants and everything else. So they're supposed to help me out. All kinds of things. So we'll see how that goes. So I'm not relying on it because I don't want to rely on anyone, but right. if they're going to help and it's going to work, well, Thank God, you know. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. So that's a one more thing I wanted to ask you about. 
wanted to ask yeah. you one more thing before we tie this one up. We're already over an hour, which I don't care. But um, I know a lot of your knives are kitchen knives. But when they're not, yep. what do you do about sheaths? Are you there, Kydex? You do it. You sub them out. You just say, fuck it. You ain't getting one. You ain't getting one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I actually, <laughs> like if it's somebody, if it's somebody I don't know, like if it's a random customer from anywhere, either in the States or Canada, and I've never, you know, came in contact with this person whatsoever, uh, I'll ask them what region they're from, you know, and I'll, I'll point them in the right direction because I'm in a few cheap, you know, nice cheap boots and all that, you know. Right. And there's a few makers out there that have made sheets for quite a few of my knives as well, too. And uh, there's a guy not too far from me here who does leather work. Uh, there's another knife maker that I'm sure here in town that he does his own leather. If I'd ask him to make me a sheet, he would, you know, if there was that case scenario. Right. But, uh, you know, like I said, I just point them in the right direction if I can. Well, I am You know, there's another up. guy in Grand Falls. He does Kydex. So, like, he's done a few of my knives, like the hunting knives and shit. Right. Most of most of what I do is either guys let me pause real quick. If y'all hear some weird audio sounds in this episode, once you listen to it, please send me a message and let me know. The microphone I'm working with right now is very it's a little loose. And it's coming through my headphones weird. So I don't know if it's okay. Well I hear you fine in my head, so Okay, good. I hope it comes through that way. I just wanted to bring that up. If it is a problem, I want to know about it so I can you know, make sure we get it fixed or whatever. But anyway, I'm fixing to get set up to do Kydex. That way, yeah. every knife that I make can come with a sheath, except for, you know, obviously chef's knives. You don't need a sheath. Um, but I've I, been asked before. I have been asked as well, and I've got some edge guards made, you know, just a leather yep. guard that snaps around the edge. But... Yep. um I'm trying to bring, you know, everybody knows Bubba did my sheets forever and still would if I asked him to, but Bubba charges a premium for his goods, which is worth it. But when that happens, I have to add that price into, into my price. That's your price. Yeah. And that puts me up into a different price bracket for a knife because of the price of the sheath. If that makes any sense. And yeah, no, no, definitely does. I, I want to get in into the Kydex to where I can just make a quick protective covering that you can safely carry the knife, you know, the little utility clip or whatever. And uh, Monday, I'm going to be putting an order in for that, and I'm going to get the, you know, the press, the eyelets, the arbor press, everything that I need. And hopefully from this point forward, all of my knives will come with a sheet that is – at a price point to where it pretty much just comes with the knife. You know what I mean? I can charge the knife price. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's going to help. It's fairly cheap to work with. So dude, it's dirt cheap. No, it's going to cost me a a little bit to get set up, you know, as far as a a stock of the eyelets and the Arbor press to press them. And, you know, several sheets of actual Kydex, but they're like, I think last time I looked, I've never looked too super serious, but I'm going to over this weekend because I'm putting the order in Monday. Uh, it's about five bucks for a, a twelve by twelve sheet, and I'm thinking I could get at least two out of each sheet because yeah. 
that just seems like, you know, 12 inches by 6 inches. You fold it in half, that's 12 inches by 3 inches. That should cover damn near any knife that I'm ever going to make. Unless it's a cleaver or something nuts. But, you know, I can kind of just throw it in there with it, you know, and not have to charge so much more. Because even if I'm charging more for a knife that comes with a sheath, that's not my money. You know, I got to give that to Bubba. Exactly. So I'm hoping by doing this, I can do more more quantity. Yeah. That's the goal is selling as many knives as possible. Now, you know, the, the side thing with the body shop and all that, we're still working on that. That's still a thing. It's still going. But as of right now, being brand spanking new, it's not wide open all day, every day. So I still got to sell some knives. So guys, go on over there to JK Blades and put in an order if you're not a knife maker. If you are a knife maker and you're too backed up, refer people to JK Blades. I sure would appreciate it. And uh, Cause, cause pickles all backed up. Pickle ain't got no time. He's damn all star. He ain't got no I time. Got another, he ain't got no time for I none of like y'all. Fifteen blades ahead of me to work on. Yeah, I got zero. I'm about to head out for the weekend, so I'm not working on those till Monday when I get back later Monday. Dude, the three that I cool. made today are all blades that I just felt like making. None of those are prepaid. Yeah. I have nothing yeah. on my order books, and I just can't understand it. I don't know what cool. the hell's going on. I went. Two years with always having at least a couple of orders, and well, the thing is, there's so many makers out there now that I don't know. There's a lot of options, I guess. You know, and that doesn't help because I've noticed my my flow has been low compared to what it's been before, yeah. and uh, you know, it's got to be something like that. That's the only thing I could see. You know, it's not because I'm not posting content or anything. It's literally just because the you know, the the maker market out there is, uh, there's a lot of us out there, I think, now. And some people are cutting throats with prices, you know, and I've had a few people ask me prices and it was almost, like, suspicious, you know, like, look, are you another maker? But I started looking at their profile and I was like, yeah, okay, he is posting other work and he's asking what I'm charging for my work. Yeah. yeah I've had a couple so, of those messages and like you said, you kind of, you get a weird feeling about it. It's almost yeah, like somebody knew people. they're trying to they're doing a little investigation. Like, how do how do I price myself? Yep. No, no, I fucking read that shit from a mile away. You know, I smell it. Yeah. Mm. But, um, well, Bubba. No, not Bubba. I mean, damn. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> we were just talking about it. Fuck my bad. But, uh, yeah, we're going to fucking find with you if we get this uh, done for the day. Let's do it, man. I got to get to my uh, packing and get going. Hey, I know what you got going on this weekend, and that is very important, and it's going to be very fun. I hope you have a yep. great time. And, man, again, I appreciate you jumping in here with me. And, hey, no uh, problem, man. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. My name is Jason Hartwell from JK Blades with Nick Tobin from Pickle Cutters, and that is K-U-T-T-E-R-Z. Find us both That's on it. Instagram. Hit that follow button. Like all our shit. Share it. Help us get big so we can help you guys get discounts. Have a good time every week. And we'll go ahead and call this one a day. Until next week, y'all, keep on hustling and keep on grinding. Peace out.